This morning's scriptures, did you notice there was a little bit of a theme? The word blessed was used five times, and six, if you count the word happy in Psalm 1, that's often translated as blessed. As often as we find this word blessed in our Bibles, it seems to me that we've lost our understanding of what it means. I think blessed has been misused and maybe even overused. And in many cases, we've lost sight of, of what, what it implies, what it entails. So for just a second, I'm going to give you like 30 seconds to talk to your neighbor and think of ways that people use the word blessed now. What phrases might you hear in your day-to-day -day or on Facebook? Quick. I, and I heard some of you saying it, hashtag blessed is uh, a typical, uh, on a lot of social media posts, and sometimes people mean it seriously, and sometimes they mean it in jest, and sometimes they're just using it as what they might also hashtag humble brag. Um, <laughs> whatever that is, a humble brag, I'm not sure. Um, I think you can use the word blessed, especially if you make it two syllables, blessed, um, as a substitute for an expletive, like, you know, if you're a mom of, an, of a baby, will I ever get a blessed night of sleep again? <laughs> um, or, um, I mean, in, in churches, we use blessed all the time. We just sang blessed be your name, and we sang blessed assurance. And how do you know when to say blessed and blessed? I'm not sure. I think it's just up to your opinion. But in our scriptures, two of our texts today talk about blessed like a tree, planted by streams of water in both Jeremiah and in Psalm. What does that even mean? Like, would you normally think of a tree when you think of blessed? In the truest sense of the word blessed or blessed, to be holy. And I, I had to look it up. Like, what does the dictionary say blessed means? And it means to be made holy, consecrated, set apart. Blessed by God for a purpose. So, wait, what? <laughs> You're telling me that when the prophet Jeremiah says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord, they shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. That God means we're being made holy when we trust in him like the trees trust in him. Or then Jesus, the passage Kevin just read, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the weeping. So he means that to say these folks who are enduring trials, who are essentially weathering a storm, just like the trees do, are being made holy, set apart, consecrated for a purpose. Or then the psalmist prelude, chapter 1, the first psalm sets the tone for all the 150, 149 to follow. Happy are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on this law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water. Eugene Peterson in the message says, it's like the psalmist is saying, how well God must like you. 
Peterson translates the word blessed or happy as how well God must like you. So, so how do we get to be so blessed, so happy, so liked by God? Have you ever thought of that? How well does God like me? What do we need to do to earn this being called blessed? Well, I'm, unfortunately, for people who like to work hard for things, it doesn't have anything to do with earning. It doesn't have anything to do with working hard enough to earn God's favor. The invitation in these passages is to become like the trees. Blessed are the trees. So what exactly do trees know that we don't? What makes a tree so special anyways? I'm going to read an excerpt from a really fantastic book called New Seeds of Contemplation by Thomas Merton. So if you want to jot down Thomas Merton, um, this is from his book written in 1963. A tree gives glory to God by being a tree. For in being what God means it to be, it is obeying him. The tree consents to God's creative love. It is expressing an idea which is in God, which is not distinct from the essence of God, and therefore a tree imitates God by being a tree. Later he says, for me to be a saint means to be myself. Therefore, the problem of sanctity, or as we're talking about this morning, this blessedness, this set-apartness, the problem with this is that we're, uh, is the problem of finding out who I am and discovering my true self. Trees and animals don't have a problem with this. God makes them what they are without consulting them, and they are perfectly satisfied. With us, it's different. God leaves us free to be whatever we like. We can be ourselves or not, as we please. Ultimately, the only way that I can be myself is to become identified with him in whom is hidden the reason and fulfillment of my existence. Therefore, there is only one problem or one focus of which all of my existence depends to discover myself and discovering God. If I find him, I will find myself, and if I find my true self, I will find him. So our whole purpose here is to become fully you. And that can only be found in learning God, that can only be found in God, because God gives us a choice. You can be yourself or not. That is up to you. So our, our call, we talk a lot about calls in the church, or God's invitation to us, is to be like the trees. They know their purpose, and they live out their purpose rooted in one place. They don't try to be anything more or anything less. So as people who want to follow God, our goal is not to memorize the most scripture or to have a perfect church attendance chart or to win the most souls for Jesus. 
All of those things can be good, but our goal is to discover ourselves in discovering God, in being with God, learning to love him, learning how God loves me. We begin to learn who we really are, who Melanie really is. Here's why that discipline of solitude we talked about earlier is so important. Because in solitude, God can tell you how much he loves you and a little bit more of who you really are. This solitude or this letting yourself become who you really are, it actually requires a stripping away of the masks we wear and the person we tell ourselves we are and the person other people tell us we should be. So this is why in Luke chapter 6, Jesus' description of who is blessed, who is set apart, who is made holy, it looks a whole lot different than those hashtag blessed Facebook posts we see. In the message, Luke 6 says, you're blessed when you've lost it all. God's kingdom is there for the finding. You're blessed when you're ravenously hungry. Then you're ready for the messianic meal. You're blessed when the tears flow freely. Joy comes in the morning. But it's trouble ahead if you think you have it made. What you have is all you'll ever get. And it's trouble ahead if you're satisfied with yourself. Yourself will not satisfy you for long. And it's trouble ahead if you think life is all fun and games. There's suffering to be met and you're going to meet it. There's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others. Saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Your task is to be true, not popular. So our task is to be true, not popular, not some version of ourselves we think will be accepted by someone else. The invitation in the journey of following Jesus is to become more fully ourselves, to become more fully Melanie, or Kevin, or Donna, or, or Rachel, or Kezia, or Garrett, or Anna Marie, or Jeanette, or Bob. How well God must like you. How well God must like you. When you are true, when you let your roots go deep and you stop fighting the ground in which you have been planted, when you delight in the kind of fruit you produce rather than trying in vain to look like the next tree over, how well God must like you when you thrill to his word and give it your undivided attention, maybe in solitude. How well God must like you when you immerse yourselves in the desires he has planted within you to be able to answer Jesus when he asks, what do you want? And now we turn to the blessed set-apart sacraments of baptism and communion.